Hello, everyone! Welcome back to the Harry Potter Podcast, in which every episode I read a chapter of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. In this episode, we will be reading Chapter 13, Nicholas Flamel. So let's begin! Dumbledore had convinced Harry not to go looking for the mirror of Arise It again, and for the rest of the Christmas holidays, the invisible cloak stayed folded of the bottom of the trunk. Harry wished he could forget what he'd seen the mirror as easily, but he couldn't. He started having nightmares over and over again. He dreamed about his parents disappearing in a green flash of light, while a high voice crackled with laughter. You see, Dumbledore was right. The mirror could have drived you mad, said Ron when Harry told him about his dreams. Hermione, who came back the day before the term started, took a different view of things. She was torn between horror at the idea of Harry being out of bed, roaming the school three nights in a row. If Filch had caught you, in disappointment that he hadn't at least found out who Nicholas Flamel was. They had almost given up hope of ever finding Flamel in the library books, even though Harry was still sure he'd read the name somewhere. Once term had started, they were back to skimming their books. For ten minutes during their breaks, Harry had even less time than the other two, because Quidditch practice had started again. Wood was working the team harder than ever. Even the endless rain that had replaced the snow couldn't dampen his spirits. The Weasleys complained that Wood was becoming a fanatic, but Harry was on Wood's side. If they won their next match against Hufflepuff, they would overtake Slytherin in the house championship the first time in seven years. Quite apart from wanting to win, Harry found that he had a fewer nightmares when he was tired out of training. Then, during one particularly wet and muddy practice session, Wood gave the team a bit of bad news. He just got very angry with the Weasleys, who kept dive-bombing each other's and pretending to fall off their brooms. Will you stop messing around? He yelled. That's exactly the sort of thing that'll lose us in the match. Snape's are for rare this time, and he'll be looking for any excuse to knock points off Gryffindor. George Weasley really did fall off his broom at these words. Snape's refereeing. He spluttered through a mouthful of mud. When he's never refereed a Quidditch match, he's not going to be fair if we might overtake Slytherin. The rest of the team landed next to George to complain to. It's not my... Fault, said Wood. We've got to make sure we play a clean game so Snape has got an excuse to pick on us. Which was all very well, thought Harry, but he had another reason for not wanting Snape near him while he was playing Quidditch. The rest of the team hung back to talk to each other as the usual of the end practice, but Harry headed straight back to Gryffindor Common Room where he found Ron and Hermione playing chess. Chess was the only thing Hermione ever lost at, something Harry and Ron thought it was very good to t- for her. Don't talk to me at the moment, said Ron, when Harry sat down next to him. I need to concert. He caught sight of Harry's face. What's the matter with you? You look terrible. Speaking quietly, so no one else would hear, Harry told the other two about Snape's sudden, sinister desire to be a Quidditch referee. Don't play said Hermione at once. Say you're ill. Pretend to break your leg, Hermione suggested. 
really break your leg. Said Ron, I can't. Said Harry, there isn't a reserve seeker. If I back out, Gryffindor can't play at all. At the moment, Neville toppled off the climbing room. How he managed to climb through a portrait hole, which was anyone's guess, because his legs were stuck together with what they recognized as the one-leg locker curse. He must have had a bunny hop all the way to Gryffindor Tower. Everyone felt about laughing, except Hermione, who leapt up and performed a counter-curse. Neville's legs sprang apart and got to his feet, trembling. What happened? Hermione asked, leading him over to sit with Harry and Ron. Malfoy, said Neville shakily. I met him outside in the library. He said he'd been looking for someone to practice that on. Go to Percy McGonagall, Hermione urged Neville. Report him! Neville shook his head. I don't want more trouble, he mumbled. You've got to stand up to him, Neville, said Ron. He's used to walking all over people, but there's no reason to lie down in front of him to make it easier. There's no need to tell me that I'm not brave enough to be in Gryffindor. Malfoy's already done that. Malfoy choked. Harry felt in the pocket of his robes, and he pulled out a chocolate frog, the very last one, from the box Hermione had given him for Christmas. He gave it to Neville, who looked like he might cry. You're worth twelve of Malfoy. Harry said, the sorting hat chose you as Gryffindor. And where is Malfoy? He's in sticking Slytherin. Neville's lips twitched in a weak smile as he unwrapped the frog. Thanks, Harry. I'll go to bed. Don't want the card. You collect them, don't you? As Neville walked away, Harry licked the famous wizard card. Dumbledore again. He said, he was the first one I ever... He gasped. He stared at the back of the card. Then he looked up at Ron and Hermione. I found him! He whispered. I found him! Found Flamel. I told you I read the name before somewhere. I read it on the train coming here. Listen to this. Professor Dumbledore is particularly famous for his defeat of Dark Wizard Grindelwald in 1945 for the discovery of the twelve uses of dragon blood and his work of economy with his partner, Nicholas Flamel. Hermione jumped to her feet. She hadn't looked so excited since they got back to Mark for her first piece of homework. Stay there! said Ron, and she sprinted up the stairs to the girls' dormitories. Harry and Ron barely had time to exchange mystified looks before she was dashing back, an enormous old book in her arms. I never thought. Look in here. She was pretty silly. I got this out of the library a few weeks ago for a bit of light reading. Light, said Ron. Hermione told him to be quiet until she looked something up. She started flicking her finger through the pages, watching to herself. At last she found what she was looking for. I knew it! I knew it! Are we allowed to speak yet? Said Ron grumpily. Hermione ignored. Nicholas Femel! She whispered dramatically. Is the only known marker of the Philosopher's Stone. This didn't have quite effect, she expected. The what? Said Harry and Ron. Oh, honestly, don't you two read? Look, read that, there. She pushed the book towards him, and Harry and Ron read. The ancient study of alchemy is considered with the making of Philosopher's Stone, a legendary substance with astonishing powers. The stone will transform any metal into pure gold. It also produces the exterior of life, which will make the drinker immortal. There have been many reports of Philosopher's Stone over the centuries, but the only stone currently in existence belongs to Mr. Nicholas 
Flamel, the noted alchemist and opera lover. Mr. Flamel, who celebrated his 665th birthday last year, enjoys a quiet life in Devon with his wife. Paranel, 658. See, said Hermione, when Harry and Ron finished, the dog must be guarding the Flamel's philosopher's stone. I bet he asked Dumbledore to keep it safe for him because they're friends and he knew someone was after it. That's why he wanted the stone to be moved out of Grindelwald's. A stone that makes gold and stops you ever dying, said Harry. No wonder Snape's after it. Anyone would want it, and no wonder we couldn't find Flamel in the study of recent developments. In wizardry, said Ron, he's not exactly recent if he's 665, is he? Next morning, in the defense expense, the dark arts, while copying down different ways of treating werewolf bites, Harry and Ron were still discussing what they'd do with the Philosopher's Stone, if they had one. It was until Ron said he'd buy his own Quidditch team that Harry remembered about Snape and the coming match. I'm going to play, he told Ron and Hermione. If I don't, all the Slytherins will think I'm just too scared to face Snape. I'll show them. It really wipes their smiles off if we win. Just as long we're not wiping you off the pitch, said Hermione. As the match drew near, however, Harry became more and more nervous, whatever he told Ron and Hermione. The rest of the team weren't too calm either. The idea of overtaking Slytherin in the house championship was wonderful. No one had done it for nearly seven years, but they would be allowed to with a bit of biased referee. Harry didn't know whether he was imagining it or not but he seemed like to keep running into Snape wherever he went. At times, he would wonder whether Snape was following him, trying to catch him on his own. Potion lessons were turning into a sort of weekly torture. Snape was so horrible to Harry. Could Snape possibly know they'd found out about the Philosopher's Stone? Harry didn't see how he could, yet he sometimes had a horrible feeling that Snape could read minds. Harry knew when they wished him good luck outside the changing rooms next afternoon that Ron and Hermione were wondering whether they'd ever see him alive again. This wasn't what you'd call comforting. Harry hardly heard a word of Wood's pep talks as he pulled into his Quidditch robes and picked up his Nimbus 2000. Ron and Hermione, meanwhile, had found a place in stands next to Neville who couldn't understand why they looked so grim and worried, or why they had brought their wands to the match. Little did Harry know that Ron and Hermione had secretly practicing a leg locker curse. They got the idea from Malfoy losing on Neville, and were ready to use it on Snape if he showed any sign of wanting to hurt Harry. And don't forget, it's locomotor mortuous, Hermione muttered, as Ron slipped his wand up his sleeves. I know. Ron snapped, don't nag. Back in the changing room, Wood had taken Harry aside. Don't want to pressure you, Potter, but if we ever need an early capture of Snitch is now. Finish the game before Snape can favor Hufflepuff too much. The whole school's out there, said Fred Weasley, peering out the door. Ify, Bloomy, Dumbledore's come to watch. Harry's heart did a somersault. Dumbledore? He said, dashing to the door to make sure. Fred was right. There was no mistaking that silver beard. Harry could have laughed out loud with relief. 
He was safe. There was no simple way that Harry would dare to hurt him if Dumbledore was watching. Perhaps that's why Snape was looking so angry as the teams marched on the pit. Something on Ron noticed. I've never seen Snape look so mean, he told Hermione. Look, they're off. Ouch. Someone had poked Ron in the back of the head. It was Malfoy. Oh, sorry, Weasley. Didn't see you there. Malfoy grinned broadly and grabbed and Goyle. Wonder how long Potter's going to turn his broom this time. Anyone want to bet? What about you, Weasley? On an answer, Snape just avoided Hufflepuff penalty because George Weasley had hit a bulger at them. Hermione, who had all her fingers crossed in her lap, was squinting fixedly at Harry, who was starting the game like a hawk, looking for the snitch. You know how I think they choose people for the Gryffindor team? said Malfoy loudly a few minutes later, as Snape awarded Hufflepuff another penalty for no reason at all. It's people they feel sorry for. See, there's Potter, who's got no parents, and there's Weasleys, who've got no money. And you should be on the team, Longbottom. You've got no brains. Neville went bright red, but turned to his seat to face Malfoy. I'm worth twelve of you, Malfoy, he stammered. Malfoy, Crab, and Whirl howled with laughter, but Ron... Still not daring to take his eyes off the game, said, You'll tell him now, Neville. Longbottom, if Brainsburg girled, he'll be poorer than the Weasley, and that's saying something. Ron's nerves were already stretched to breaking point with anxiety about Harry. I'm warning you, Malfoy, one more word. Run! said Hermione suddenly. Harry! What? Where? Harry was suddenly gone into a spectacular drive, which drew gasped from cheers from the crowd. Hermione stood up, her fingers crossed in her mouth, as Harry streaked towards the ground like a bullet. You're in luck, Weasley. Potter's obviously spotted some money on the ground. Ron snapped. Before Malfoy knew what was happening, Ron was on top of him, wrestling him to the ground. Neville hesitated. They clambered over to the back seat and hop. Come on, Harry! Hermione screamed, leaping onto her seat to watch Harry speed straight at Snape. She didn't even... Notice Malfoy and Ron rolling under her seat, or the scuffles and yelps coming from the whirl of fists that were Neville, Crab, and Goyle. Up in the air, Snape turned around his broomstick just in time to see something scarlet shoot past him, missing him by inches. Next second, Harry pulled out past of the dive. He raised his arm in triumph, and Snitch collapsed in his hand. The stance erupted. It had been a record. No one could even remember the snitch being caught so quickly. Run! Run! Where are you? The game's over. Harry won. We won! Gryffindor in lead! Shrieked Hermione, dancing up and down in her seat, hugging Parvati Patel in the row in front. Harry jumped off his broom a foot from the ground. He couldn't believe it. He'd done it. The game was over. It had barely lasted five minutes. As Gryffindor came spilling onto the pitch, he saw Snape land nearby, white-faced and tight-lipped. Then Harry felt a hand on his shoulder and looked up into Dumbledore's smiling face. Well done, said Dumbledore quietly, so that only Harry could hear. Nice to see you haven't been brooding about the mirror. Been keeping busy. Excellent. Snape spat bitterly on the ground. Harry left, Harry left the changing room alone some time later to take his Nimbus 2000 back to the broom shed. He couldn't even remember feeling happier. He'd really done something to be proud of now. No one could say he was just famous name 
anymore. The evening air had never smelled so sweet. He walked to the damp grass, revealing the last hour in his head with a happy blur. Gryffindor is running to lift him up their shoulders, Ron and Hermione in a distance, jumping up and down, Ron cheering through a heavy nosebleed. Harry had reached the shed. He leant against the wooden door and looked up at Hogwarts, with his windows glowing red in the setting sun. Gryffindor was in the lead. He done it. He showed Snape. And speaking of Snape, a hooded figure came swiftly down the front steps of his castle, clearly not wanting to be seen. It walked as fast as possible towards the forbidden forest. Harry victory faded from his mind as he watched. He recognized the figure, probably walk. Snape, sticking into the forest while everyone else is at dinner? What's going on? Harry jumped back to the Nimbus 2000 he took off, gliding suddenly over the castle. He saw Snape enter the forest at a run. He followed. The trees were so thick that he could not see Snape had gone. He flew in circles lower and lower, the brushing the top branches of the trees until he heard voices. He glided towards them and landed noiselessly in a towering beech tree. He climbed carefully along one of the branches, holding tight to his broomstick, trying to see through the leaves. Below the shadowy clearing stood Snape, but he wasn't alone. Quirrell was there, too. Harry couldn't make out and look on his face, but he was stuttering worse than ever. Harry strained to catch what they were saying. D -d Don't you n know why you wanted to meet me here of places, Severus? Oh, I thought we'd keep this private, said Snape in his voice, icy. Students are supposed to know about the Philosopher's Stone after all. Harry leant forward. Krill was mumbling something. Snape interrupted him. Have you found out how to get past the Beast of Hagrid's yet? But Severus, I... You don't want me as your enemy, Krill, said Snape, taking a step forwards. I don't know what you're... You know perfectly well what I mean. An owl hooted loudly, and Harry nearly fell out of his tree. He steadily himself in time to hear Snape say, You're a little bit of hocus pocus. I'm waiting, but I don't know... Well, Snape cut in, we'll have another little chat soon, when you've had time to take about things over and decided where your loyalties lie. He threw his cloak over his head and strewed out of the clearing. It was almost dark now, but Harry couldn't see Quirrell standing quite still as though he was petrified. Harry, where have you been? Hermione squeaked. We won, we won, we won, shouted Ron, thumping Harry on his back. And I gave Malfoy a black eye, and I will try to take on Crab and Goyle single-handed. He's still out cold, but Madame Pomfrey says he'll be all right. Talk sh about showing Slytherin. Everyone's waiting for you in the common room. We're having a party. Fred and George stole some cakes and stuff from the kitchens. Never mind that now. Let's find out in Rum's room. You wait till you hear this, said Harry. He made sure Peeves was inside before shutting the door behind them. Then he told them what he had seen and heard. So we were right. It is the Philosopher's Stone. And Snape's trying to force Quirrell to get help him get it. He asked if they knew how to get past Fluffy. And he said something about Quirrell's hocus pocus. I reckon 
There are other things guarding the stone, apart from Fluffy. Loads of enchantments, probably. And Quirrell would have done the same. Anti-dark spells, which Snape needs to bake through. So, you mean the stone's only safe as long as Quirrell stands up to Snape? Said Hermione in alarm. It'll be gone next Thursday, said Ron. Thank you for listening to me read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 13. Nicholas Flamel. The next episode, we will be reading Chapter 14, Norbert the Norway Ridgeback. If you would like to contact the Harry Potter podcast, the website will be in the description below. And you can reach us on the Harry Potter podcast's Instagram. So, until next time.